Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. Today, I have Barry on the show. I'm so thankful that you're here today. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here, Christine. Thank you for inviting me. Barry, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself as we get started? Sure. So my name is Barry Dunlovitz. I am currently the Vice President of Retail Product Distribution at Scotiabank. I've worked in the financial sector for probably half my career on the client side. The other half of my career, I actually worked in the software and hardware development industry. And so I've sort of seen both sides of the table and, and had a great many wonderful bosses in the course of my career. And I have to add here that I'm so excited you took time to do this podcast with me because I coach about 50 women a year at Scotiabank as part of this program that I lead. And I was telling one of the women one day about the Best Boss Ever podcast, and she got so excited and she couldn't wait to tell me how you were her best boss ever. And so she just beamed, you know, at one point I said, I I have to make sure we make time for coaching (laughs) because (laughs) she was so excited to tell me about the impact that you had on her as a leader. So, you know, we reached out to you, we asked you if you'd like to be on the show. And so today this is exciting for me to get a chance to work with you. That, that's great to hear. Thank you for sharing. And she she is a wonderful individual. And I'm, I'm glad she shared that story. And I hope what I have to say today is helpful to others. Can you tell me a little bit about your best boss ever or your best bosses ever? Sure. Yeah. And, and this was a fun exercise to go back through my resume and look at my career and reflect back. And it, what struck me, the thing that that came to mind, first of all, was a boss I had very early in my career when I was just starting out working as a hands-on technologist. And he was he had all the characteristics of a great boss, friendly, supportive, had a lot of trust, great feedback, et cetera. And I think I'd probably worked for him for maybe a year and a half. And in one of our, our meetings, he said to me, you know, Barry, you don't have to do this job your entire career. And he proceeded to explain to me all the other things that I could do And it was sort of two messages. One, it was, FYI, pal, there's a big world out there, and you shouldn't think that somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder. And I think that's the important message that everybody needs to hear, that careers need to be built and they take work. And so that that was great. The second thing was him explaining to me something that, frankly, we assume people know, but how do you ever know unless anybody tells you? that there's actually lots of opportunity for you and you should seek it out. And the third thing was, you know, what he was sort of highlighting was that he he wasn't just treating me as somebody that did stuff, but he actually paid attention to what I did and how I did it and let me know of all the great opportunities that that were available to me. And it was a very large organization, but I think I think the point is I remember going home, I can almost see it and thinking to myself, holy cow, like I had no idea that there was a whole career available to me. And and that was really, I think, the start of my career, despite having worked for a few years, that I actually took on more and more leadership roles and took building my career seriously. But if he'd never had that to me, I don't know that I ever would have. And I, 
I talk to a lot of less senior people in the organization and I try and get to the point of having that conversation. And it's remarkable to me how many people go, wow, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know that. And they probably would have stayed in the same job for most of their career without ever having benefited themselves from a, a more diverse career, but also having the organization benefit from all that they have to offer. Now, on that note, I mean, I'm just thinking about so many people that I work with and maybe they're they're not best bosses, would love it if they would just stay. If they're competent and they're doing a great job in that existing role, isn't it beneficial for them to just go, great, I have one less position I have to worry about? You know, Christine, you are raising a really great point. And I think what's behind a lot of people's resistance to having that conversation, to saying to somebody, you're awesome, but you need to move on is precisely the reason you've mentioned is that you've got somebody great. They're a high performer. You don't have to worry about them. It's one less job that you have to fill. And it's one you know less interview cycle, new hiring cycle that you need to go through, which let's face it is work. But I think as leaders, we have a responsibility to let awesome people know how awesome they are and to encourage them to seek out more and better opportunities and grow and develop their careers. Not again, not just for them. I think we have a moral responsibility to do that for them, but also to the organizations that we support. We want to get the best out of the people in the organization and keeping them in a corner somewhere doing a great job, but never having the opportunity to flourish really doesn't benefit the organization either. I just have a thought, a kind of an aha moment while you're saying this. And I thought, is there something to the fact that sometimes the best bosses who know how to encourage somebody to fly, even if it's not immediately convenient for them because they're going to have to fill that role and coach somebody new. But if they are a best boss, maybe they have confidence and they enjoy that development of new people into their team. I think that's also a great point. I think best bosses, people are people who like people and people who like taking the opportunity to bring out the best in people. And I think that if you are the kind of person who who takes joy in coaching and mentoring and helping people realize how much value they bring to the organization, doing it with the same person day in, day out, year in, year out, you're not really going to satisfy that desire. But an opportunity to meet somebody new and help somebody new, grow somebody new is is a wonderful part of having the responsibility of leadership in an organization. Yeah, that's an aha moment. I'm just thinking to myself of how many times you hear a similar theme in that best boss ever as different people have worked with uh, different leaders. And it always surprises me that people, you know, would prefer to coach somebody new and keep, keep moving people up through the organization, even if it means a bit more work for them. But if they enjoy it, then it's not that much work, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And you can never be perfect at it. I mean, I think that's that's the thing is there's always an opportunity to be better and do better. And if you're, again, if you're doing it with the same person day in and day out, you're not really getting that opportunity. The other early boss I thought about was perhaps a little bit later in my career. And again, a great boss. I was very happy to work for him and supportive and encouraging and, and very happy to see me grow and flourish. But the one thing that he did for me that nobody else had until that particular point in my career was we just finished a presentation to a fairly senior group. And, you know, I said, how do you think that went? And he said, you know, good, clear messaging, articulate, you know, you kind of waffled in the middle there. And it was a really great example of two things. One, it was honest feedback and it was delivered in the moment. And I think everybody or a lot of people talk about the value of feedback 
But it's amazing as I have taken it more and more seriously to give people feedback. How many people say to me, wow, you know, nobody's ever actually given me honest feedback. You know, I've had lots of people say good job. I've had lots of people say well done, but I've never actually had somebody do me the courtesy and the respect of giving me open, honest, constructive, of course. I mean, you know, there's better and worse ways to deliver it, but open, honest feedback. And I think you're demonstrating that you care about the person's career. You're demonstrating that you care about the person's development, but you're also respecting them as an individual because that kind of feedback is very, very personalized, you know, most of the time. And of course it has to be delivered in the moment, but it, it just opened my eyes to the, you know, it stung a little bit initially, but of course afterwards I thought about it and thought, you know what, he's right. <laughs> it was waffling. That's the truth of the matter. And, and now I'm trying very carefully not to be a waffler. And it, it reminded me of a great coach I had one time who said, because again, I think a lot of people talk about giving feedback, but very few people actually do it. She said, it's better to give somebody a bad day than a bad career. Mm. And every time I hesitate to give somebody feedback and I think, oh, is this going to sting too much? Is this fair? I, I think those words resonate in my head. And I think better for me to let them hear it, take it or leave it. But at least I'm being honest now. At least I'm giving them the opportunity to do better and grow better. That is such a good quote, especially given that I was thinking while you were talking, I thought, oh man, you must have heard that though and went home that night. I mean, how did you feel that night when you got that piece of feedback? Well, it, it was a little bit of a double-edged sword. I thought it stung, like, because I think that presenting is one of the things I like to do. Like as part of a job, I like mentoring people and I like presenting. And so it hurt. But I played back the presentation in my mind and I looked at the PowerPoint and I thought, you know what? There's definitely an opportunity for me to be a little crisper in my messaging and not get too interested in the chatter and not be too enthusiastic about showing how clever I am because that's not why we're here and I'm not that clever. The point of this exercise is for me to quickly and efficiently get information across. And you know what? I didn't. It's funny that you say that because I immediately start thinking of some candid feedback that I was given throughout my career and how transformative it really was to have a leader give me not just the, oh, great job, but actually say, you know what? Here's your opportunity. And those last with you, those, those messages, you know, they do make you better. They do. And, and they're rare. And, you know, there's no perfect person and no perfect employee. And unless somebody provides you that feedback, how are you going to know? And then any other leaders that come to mind as you're thinking through this? Sure. A, a more recent leader I have had did a really interesting thing. Now, of course, in COVID times, it's a little bit different. But whenever we met for a one-on-one, -on -one, he always made a bit of a show of turning off his cell phone and turning it over and putting it aside. It was his way of saying, I am present. I am listening to you right now. And it's so important for leaders to be present, to, to listen carefully to what people are saying and what they're not saying, and to demonstrate that you care and you're interested. And it was a, a simple gesture, and I know it was hard to do. He's a very busy guy. It was a small gesture, but a very powerful one to demonstrate that, again, that he was interested and that he cared and that he was present. And being present in a one-on-one -on -one with, with somebody who you are responsible for managing is such an important part of the leadership experience. Now, of course, in COVID times, there's other ways you can do it. You can, you can sit with your hands crossed on the screen, and then clearly you're not typing or looking at your phone. There's ways around it. But I thought it was 
quite a quite a powerful um, gesture. I really like that. I feel like there's leaders that I work with who benefit from that thinking about how's the ritual that you're going to use that's going to really demonstrate your fullest attention as being given to somebody. Yes, everybody, I mean, all humans have a basic need to be heard and seen and respected. And everybody understands that their leaders are busy, but it's so important to give people the time to listen to what they're saying, to listen to what they're not saying, if you really want to bring out the best in them. And that means being present and turning off your phone and not looking at it or whatever else is going on your screen is a great way to, to convey that message. It really demonstrates your commitment to them in that moment. That's excellent. Do you have any other stories or things that you were thinking about that you feel like you want to add to this? I think the one other thing that that leader that I mentioned recently does is I think as part of leaders, a little bit of your job is to listen to people complain. It's inevitable. And, and I always say, look, I'm happy to listen to you complain. That's part of my job. My job is to help you. And if you need to vent, I'm here for you. And he, he does that and he did that. But I think the other interesting thing I did is he always presents the other side of the story. And there are always two sides to every story. I, th- I think we know that in the back of our minds, but he makes a very conscious effort of saying, well, maybe think about what this person is actually trying to do. And I think it does two things. It balances the thought by providing a little more context, you know, because I think we all get very heads down and involved in what what we do in our work. And we forget about how the work that we do exists in a much larger in a much larger context. But it also serves as a good reminder that the work that you're doing is actually important. As in, okay, you may be frustrated with this person, but remember, you're doing this thing to help this person with this other thing. And they have this other responsibility to these other people. And especially in a large organization where sometimes you you feel like a little cog in a very big, big wheel, it's important to remind people that the work that they do is important. The work that they do matters. The work that they do has an impact to the larger organization and lots of other people. Because I think, again, as we have a little bit of a tendency to be a little bit inwardly focused, and he's really great at setting the larger stage, setting the larger context. Well, and that would be a powerful engagement tool. That would be really powerful because, again, once it brings you back to what your bigger purpose is and how you're impacting things at a broader level that you can't see or remember sometimes, it would kind of fire you back up again, right? Absolutely. And I I think it's interesting in our employee engagement survey, one of the questions goes something like, do you understand the connection of your work to the larger value of the organization? I'm getting the words wrong, but the sentiment is is something like that. And I, I put a lot of work into having that conversation with, you know, my direct reports and their direct reports and so on, because I think, especially as technologists, you sort of forget the value of you, of the work that you do and how it impacts your business partners and the customers and the stockholders and all of the other people in the organization. It's often not obvious to people how the work that they do connects. And so I pay very careful attention to that score because it's surprising how often, you know, people will do a great job, but you ask them why the work that they do is important to the larger organization. They often don't actually understand. And when you take the time to explain it to them, 
it has a very enthusing and empowering effect on people because they really understand why the work that they do is important. And the work that everybody does is important, but it's really important to make sure that people understand that. And they, and they remember it when they are frustrated. <laughs> so I have a question for you. When you think of having worked for probably varying ranges from a best boss all the way down to maybe not a best boss, when you think of the impact to the bottom line, the difference between working for a best boss versus not, what's the impact to the business? I think the the impact comes in in many forms. Sometimes it's obvious in terms of you know increased cost or or lost productivity. And may, maybe I'm a little bit biased here. I find in technology you often meet incredibly smart people, like incredibly smart people. But if they don't understand, again, if they don't understand the value of the work that they do, their level of engagement the amount of effort that they're going to put in to solving a problem is not going to be at the level that you need it. And if you want to get those really big brains fired up around solving problems, making things more efficient, delivering products more quickly, finding ways to to do things more cheaply, if they're not engaged and enthused, you're just not going to see the productivity and you're not going to see the engagement. And the thing is, I can't remember the expression, something about one bad apple, one bad apple spoils the best or something. Like if you have one person in your team who has a bad attitude, it can pervade and poison the entire team. And, and it may be a very good person who just maybe doesn't understand the importance of the work that they're doing or don't understand why they're being asked to do work in a certain way. And then it brings down their productivity, but also the entire team's productivity. And there's a, there's a cascading effect. And so I think if people, I always think of the four E's, are, are people engaged, empowered, enthused, and enabled? And unless people have all those four things going on, the hits to the productivity of their team and their organization and anybody else who they deals with can have a real impact on the bottom line. So now, you know, being that you've been named best boss ever by one of your employees, <laughs> can I ask you, like, what do you do when you have a bad apple though? I mean, sure, you can inspire and coach, but just help me understand, like, how do you deal with that problem? It's not easy and it takes a lot of time. I think first and foremost is recognizing our common humanity. And I think people often forget about that. They get too wrapped up in their position and how high they are in the organization or or not high they are in the organization. And don't always take the time to really understand a person and get to know a person. And I always like to start with just a human connection. You know, you've got to find common ground with the person. Don't talk about work. Like the obvious one is how is your weekend? But really dig into the how is your weekend? Like not... It was good. Really? What did you do? Oh, okay. You went hiking. Where did you go hiking? You know, tell me more about the hike. And just start by trying to build trust, which you do by building a, a bond, like some, some commonality, and trying to find a way to connect on a very, very human level. And I think once people trust you, you get a little bit of a sense of why it is that they are frustrated. And sometimes it's something personal that they, are not obliged to share, but you may get a little bit of a sense that there's something going on at home that's making life difficult for them. And often you can help. You know, maybe they're shy to say, look, I really need to take every Friday afternoon off to take care of my sick mother, maybe, you know, or something that they're perhaps not not comfortable sharing 
getting to, to have that conversation and finding a way to say, you know what, it's okay. Like, I'm going to give you the time off because you are valued and valuable and I want to bring out the best in you. The other thing is you may actually find out that they don't like another team member. And again, that's not something people are readily going to admit to. But if you develop that trust relationship and say, look, I'm, I'm not going to tell, but you're clearly unhappy. Like, what's going on? And I care. I care to know why it is that you're unhappy. Or the other interesting one is sometimes they just don't buy the project. They don't understand why they're doing what they're being asked to do. And all too often, we ask people to do things without taking the time to explain to them why it's important. And sometimes you can, you can have a real transformative conversation with somebody say, look, I know this might seem like an overly complicated project, or maybe you don't understand the product, but here's why this is important to our business partner. And there can be a real light going on. And let's face it, when you give somebody a project assignment, we don't always spend perhaps enough time as we should explaining the where's and the why's and the why for's. But sometimes it, it can really make a difference to people. So it's, it's worth exploring, like, do you understand why you're being asked to do what you're, you're doing? And then the other one is sometimes, and this is always so sad, you come across people who are just in the wrong job, right? They've, they've been bumped around or they got assigned this or somebody left and they were asked to do that. And so they've continued doing it for the last three or four months or, or years. And they're just in the wrong job. And it's, it's the responsibility of the leader to find out what it is that they're more interested in and, and get them doing something that is, that is actually interesting to them. And that comes to the, you know, are they engaged and enthused? Like if people aren't engaged and enthused, they're not going to do a good job and nor would I expect them to. Oh, I think that is excellent. And that, that point about a wrong job, I mean, I think of my own detour into marketing, <laughs> which <laughs> I'm not meant to be in marketing, I found out, but I didn't work with anybody in that moment who was able to go, you were extremely successful in these three roles. And then you ended up in a role that wasn't, it wasn't about success so much as it was, you weren't happy anymore. <laughs> You didn't have the enthusiasm. It was one of the four E's that you mentioned, but it changed. Something shifted because that was not the same. And so I think that point about the wrong job, I see that unfortunately in bigger organizations where people get promoted and they move and they move. And then all of a sudden they end up in a position where they're just like, this isn't my happy place. Like I was so successful and now I ended up here. Sometimes they just leave the organization because you know they feel at this point that their leader is not they're not looking for that next job for them, though. They're not looking for what would be more exciting for them. Which is so unfortunate because in many cases, they're really good people with a lot to offer. You know, people say you should find your jam or find your bliss, and you should. But your, your leader has a responsibility to make sure that you are in, engaged and enthused. And sometimes asking a couple of probing questions to get to that point. And you, you can't always solve it right away, but at least, okay. Let's acknowledge that this is not the best fit for you. There are many other wonderful things that you can do for the organization. I can't make a change right now, but let's let's work towards it together. And just that alone can have a difference for people. Well, yeah, and a great leader can observe what that person is strong at. So, you know, when you are in the wrong job, you're not feeling very strong, <laughs> but a great leader can say, you know, I do see your capability here or your capability there. And so they can even help provide the advocacy for what you're great at, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it has to be a conversation and somebody has to care enough to have the conversation. 
And I think that's the essence of, you know, some of the things I keep hearing and the way that you're explaining those best bosses is that they cared enough. They kept coming back to, I care about you enough that I'm willing to have the hard conversation. I'm willing to talk about you know, the tough feedback, or I'm willing to talk your way through a, a wrong job, you know, like, but I care enough about you that I'm going to help you get through that next, that next step. I think that's exactly right. So I have one question for you as well. When you think of a not great boss, what's the difference in approach that creates that, or at least in your experience? I, I think two things come to mind. One is it's important for leaders to remember that they set the tone. And when I think of a boss who wasn't great, super smart guy, I definitely learned a lot, probably, you know, how to be more Machiavellian than not, maybe not a great skill. But the thing that, that, I, that I recall is a very sour attitude that pervaded the entire team. And it's important to remember to set the tone from the top. And it doesn't matter where you are in the organization. If you have people reporting to you, you have a responsibility to set a positive, productive tone. And everybody in the team had that attitude. And I've noticed as I encounter teams where there's a a little bit of a negative attitude, nine times out of 10, whoever leads that team has a negative attitude because people hire in their own image, but people also take their cue about how to behave from their boss. And so I think when I think about what was what was bad about that situation was a very negative attitude that, that included making disparaging comments about others. And I thought, well, if he's making disparaging comments about others, what kind of comments is he making about me or the rest of the team? You know, it, it, it creates an, an unease and, and perhaps a little bit of a little bit of distrust and, and words are powerful and words matter. And, and as leaders, you have a responsibility to set, to set the right tone. Oh, that makes so much sense to me. And those, those, like you said, the remarks you make about other people, sometimes leaders think that that's a way of bonding, but ironically, it's actually extremely the opposite. It usually just creates like a massive amount of distrust when they walk out of the room. It's like, what now, now what's being said about me, you know? I obviously work with a lot of leaders who are on their way or aspiring to be best bosses ever. So I just have any, you know, tips, wisdom, you know, what would you really encourage people to think about or focus on as they're, you know, aspiring to be fantastic? I have a sticky in front of me on on the four E's I mentioned, like, is everybody engaged? Like, do they understand the value of what they're doing? Do they understand the value of what they're doing to the larger organization? So are they engaged? Are they empowered? Do they know that I trust them? Do they know that they have the right to make decisions? Do they know that I have them on the team because I think they're awesome? Like, does everybody understand that? Are they enthused? Like, do they, do they care about the work that they're doing? Are they in the right job? Are they working well with the rest of the team? Finally, enabled, which is a very simple one, but like, do they have a, a computer that works? <laughs> the number of times people say, oh, my laptop keeps crashing. Get a new one. You know, but people are shy or they don't want to ask or they think it's a problem. And I think, you know, simple things like like that makes a really big difference. I think that the the have the courage to provide the honest feedback. It's so hard, but you'll just be astonished at how much people appreciate somebody taking the time to give them honest feedback. And it needs to be delivered in, in the right way and sensitively. But 
even if it's going to sting, just remember that it's better to give somebody a bad day than a bad career. And it's remarkable how often people will say, gosh, no, you know, nobody's ever given me that kind of feedback before. Remember your impact. Like, remember that words matter and words are powerful. But also remember, you know, the, the great quote from Maya Angelou, people may not remember what you say, but they will certainly remember how you made them feel. And that, I think, goes to the point of setting a positive tone. Like, even in a difficult situation, you can set a positive tone. But remember that as a leader, your team is looking to you and will take their cue from you how to treat others and how, how they perceive their value. It's going to be very much a reflection of how you talk to them. So take the time to get to know people. There are so many wonderfully interesting, super, super smart people out there that if you just take the time to get to know them a little bit better, first of all, you'll learn something, but also it's it's a way to, to get the best out of people. I always say most of the people that work with me will forget more than I'll ever know, but at least I can find a way to get them to deliver the value that they have to the organization. When you think of getting to know people, I, I can I can just feel how that's a strength of yours. Do you have any kind of tactical tips too? You know, just when you think of some people are more introverted and it's not as intuitive, or maybe they're working with a team that's a little more closed off, maybe from a previous leader. Help me think of how do you get there? It's a hard one because you're right. A lot of people are shy and a lot of people aren't used to leaders engaging on that level. I think I'll go back to what I said earlier. Remember your common humanity. Like we're all... We, we may be at different levels in the organization and we do what we do at different kinds of organizations. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all have the same needs and desires, wishes, hopes, dreams, and fears. And just starting going in with that recognition and asking questions again, how was your weekend? Good. Why? Like, what did you do this weekend? Or do you have any vacation plans? Or have you read any good books lately? No, I haven't read. I don't read. Okay, you know, what do you do? I like to watch TV. What's your favorite TV? Like, there are a million questions that you can ask. And the question isn't the important thing, right? It's what you learn about people's interests, what they like, what they don't like. There's always another question you can ask. I mean, I'm not a huge sports fan. And so I'm always challenged when people say, oh, I went to a ball game. Okay, who played? where did they play? How are they doing in the league? Like the fact that you're asking the questions, you, you'll get through the basic questions, but very quickly, you'll get to a very human conversation where you're going to find something in common. And you, you start there and, and it only gets better from there. And some people, you know, right away, they'll click and they'll realize that you really are just interested in getting to know them. And some people, you have to do it a few times, but it is so worth it. And it always pays off in the end. I think that is a great reminder for everybody out there listening. And, you know, in the world of COVID and now us working on Zoom, I know we have to be even more intentional sometimes about what you're talking about, where you you have to make the time because we get onto our Zoom calls and it's like, we know the agenda, the meeting, tick-tock, let's go. People are having to learn how to slow down and take five minutes of even what feels like an important meeting to rapport build in order to build that connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we can't, we, again, we can't forget our common humanity and it's a starting place for all great relationships and communication. Barry, I really enjoyed this interview. It has been fantastic. Thank you so much for all the tips. (laughs) Oh, thank you. It's been great. It's great, great talking to you. Your, your passion around this topic is, is very inspiring. 
If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.